Hello and welcome to this, the Ian Prendercast, another Carlton podcast brought to you as always by 121 Media and MGA. We're going to go quickly through the intros today because we've got a very special surprise and once our listeners know what that is, the last thing they'll want to hear is our usual 15-20 minute routine of crap, fighting, stalling, arguing. Tim, answer on a post-it note, how are you going? I'm good, I'm good. Best win in the last five years, wasn't it? Probably. Probably. Fab, give us your intro. Ciao ragazzi. That's it. That's it. Moving on. We love it. Now, this is a treat. Joining us yeah. to have a chat about the weekend's game and his time in Navy Blue. Lots of other stuff you probably wouldn't have bargained for when you agreed to do this inexplicably. 300-game uh, champion of the footy club, former captain, two-time best and fairest winner, All-Australian, the only Carlton player to win the AFLCA Player of the Year. We are thrilled and bewildered that Mark Murphy is here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Great intro. Uh, bewildered. Now I've got... A lot of time for these boys, so um, stuns me. looking forward to, uh, to what they've, they've got for me uh, today. So, yeah, on the back of a, a great performance, wasn't it, over the weekend? So, uh, good time to be a Carlton fan. Can I ask you a question? You, you ran into these two idiots at a Carlton in property lunch? Yep. There's no such thing as a free lunch, you found out. I certainly have. Um, <laughs> how, how long into the meeting, the conversation, until the podcast came up and an invitation was extended? Wasn't too long, but no. Look, I won't. I won't sledge them to start off with. They were, they were good, and we we're talking just about property and and about footy as you do when you've got uh, a lot of Carlton fans who are all very eager and very excited at the moment about what they're seeing out on the field on the weekend. So uh, yeah, look, I'm happy to happy to join the podcast. It's good for my experience to uh, to jump on these things every now and again. I've been on Dylan and Friends, yes. So that's getting a lot of exposure. So this is this is uh, right up there with that. So. Uh, <laughs> Looking forward to, uh, to hearing from the boys and what they've got for me. Oh, no. Um, just have a bit of a chat, I suppose. Just you generally, a bit of an interview as such, and then we'll talk about the game itself. But uh, what do you find yourself doing? You're 10 on months removed from the game itself. Uh, what are you up to? So I'm working for uh, another Carlton uh, fan up in Sydney. So he's a, a property developer. So at the moment, he's got a lot of uh, sort of old corner pub assets that – uh, he's been developing, reconverting the hospitality downstairs and then having accommodation upstairs. Uh, and down in Melbourne, has got a few assets which we're going through planning at the moment. So basically planning and feasibility Ooh. in sort of multi-res. Mm. Do any of them is, need car parks or...? Yeah. We will need a car park in, in queue. So oh. it's oh. a very difficult site, that one. So it? um, Yeah, it's a bit of a... It's probably not up your alley then. Mate, <laughs> greatest traffic engineer going around. Oh, that's good to hear. So I'll, uh, no, I'll annoy a, him after this then. You're a Doncaster native. This man sitting across from you is responsible for ruining Shopping Town. <laughs> what do you have to do there? The car park. The car park. No, no, no not the car. But the car park was there. I, I did some ticketless parking. That's why you can just go in now. It's a disaster because of me. I'm happy that you can go in and not have to pay well, if you you're go. in there for less than three. You're welcome. Hours. It's less yeah. than two hours. It's two hours now. Fuck. It's a crunching, crunching yeah. time now. Yeah, they're killing us out there. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. Now you're meant to see a movie. You're uh, welcome. As we said, no such thing as a free lunch. <laughs> <laughs> um, I suppose what, what's the biggest challenge when you sort of come out of the game, you know, especially for someone like yourself, you spent 16 years at the top level. What's the biggest thing that you miss or the biggest thing to kind of get used to out of it? Uh, well, for a lot of guys, probably being institutionalised, I think from 
uh, you leave school and then so at school obviously you get your schedule and you you, you follow that well most people do some don't but um, those who are diligent do and then you go into a, a football pro- program which is very similar you get told where to be what to do uh, every part of your life is controlled so to speak so when you you've been doing that your entire life that's obviously a bit of a change and then you now you I focus on uh, my own diary and trying to run that so I, uh, I find myself pretty lucky that I've done a lot of work experience and, and done a few courses over the journey as well, which has sort of held me in good stead. So I was always knew that the end was, was coming at some point. I played a, a fair bit of football over 16 years. So I was always on sort of the back end of my career, um, setting myself up ready to go into the, my new phase, but uh, did things throughout the journey that uh, kept me with one eye on the, on the future. I know we, we did a you're, – you're the third interview we've ever had on the show. <laughs> We had Jed Lamb. That was a good chat. Should go back. It's in the archives. Luke Sayers. <laughs> yep. That was extraordinary. Don't know how we got him. Um, and then now yourself. But Jed was really funny when he said, he goes, you just miss going into the club every day. Yeah. He goes, that's, he goes immediately out of the game. He goes, that hits you like a ton of bricks. He's going, ah. Oh. Yeah. You, you take it for granted, I suppose, when you put the, the extra side of it as well. When I retired, it was straight back into lockdown really during COVID. So my, my last couple of years, like, yeah, I really found it difficult being involved in a hub, uh, playing in front of no crowds. You'd think on the back end of your career, I was hoping that we um, we were going to be winning most weeks, playing in front of uh, you know big crowds at the G. Bit of a and victory lap sort of thing. Well, not so much a victory lap. You know, being involved you know, as a small part, whether it's on a half or a flank mm. or a wing, and ideally winning most weeks and yeah, experiencing what football is all about, and that's the winning culture in in Melbourne, uh, and lucky enough when you're playing for Carlton you get to play against big clubs and at the G and it's always a, a big build-up um, so I, I really missed that and I just absolutely hated uh, being out of Melbourne for an extended period of time and, fly, and playing in front of no crowds it really was a, a difficult part for me sort of lacking a lot of motivation as well so um, it, uh, yeah, it wasn't the, the ideal way to finish and then my last game being uh, over in Adelaide there was a crowd but couldn't have any of my family or any past players or, or people that have been there on the journey with me the whole way through. So that was a bit of a, a sad point. And then walking in after the game, obviously career's done, and then talking to them family on Zoom, that was a, a bit of a dampener. So it wasn't yeah, really yeah. A, uh, a great way to bow out. But, you know, Simo the year before had yeah. a very similar thing, playing up in the Gabba uh, and then having none of his family who his parents were at every game. So. Yeah. Kicked the signature goal, a signature Cade Simpson goal. Great signature goal by Simo, but yes, unfortunately, like both Simo and I played through some pretty tough periods, and then you know we didn't get that swan song that we probably would have loved. But uh, I suppose both of us didn't really care too much. Was in terms of the way in which it happened, was more the fact we didn't get to play in finals towards the back end was was the real hard part. But um, anyway, that that's life, and it's good now that we're seeing football back in Melbourne and. Life's back to normal somewhat, Ish. so which is great. So I've really been enjoying going and watching the footy, and um, I do a little commentary or special comments on a Sunday on ABC. So still involved in football. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to commentate on a, on a few Carlton games. So I see them pretty well and know quite a few of the players. So it's pretty easy for me. Absolutely. And and so on that, how what's your relationship with the current Carlton players right now? You know, how, how closely. Do you still chat to them or do you, do you leave them alone and going, well, that's your domain now or are you still sort of finding yeah, out the inside goss and everything no, else as it's well? It's a good question. Like I think when you're involved in football, it's, it's basically it's a bubble really. So uh, when guys leave the football club, 
there's certain guys that you're mates with and you, you still will catch up with and uh, there's relationships that I've got with guys who I'm just I'm friends with. There's some guys who I try and play a little bit more of a mentor sort of role for and have a bit more of a, um, a focus on having someone outside the football club that can give them some good advice and direction, just more just be there to, to talk to. But Can you disclose who any of they, those guys are? Dynamite follow-up, Timbo. Good stuff. <laughs> it was. Um, oh, Liam Stocker I do a little bit cool. of work with. I actually haven't caught up with him for the past four or five weeks, so that, that sort of triggered my, my mind. Get but, him on um, the line. We can take try, a phone call. I try and, uh, try and catch up with him more more for, for stocks, more just a, a coffee and a chat just about life. Um, he's I, I find him um, – I, I really highly rate him. He's Seems a really a physical kid, yeah. physical player, which I think is something that um, yeah, I think Carlton's been really good at this year. I think he is going to be a really um, long-term player for the football club. I think he's – Really, really uh, well-driven. Uh, he's got a lot of tricks to his bow as well, but I think um, once he gets his fitness base up, I think you'll see him through the midfield um, hopefully sooner rather than later. But he's um, having to work his way through the seconds at the moment like a few other guys who are playing good football but can't get a, a shot, which is a sign of a good football club, which is what we, we haven't had for quite a while. So that's, that's why the, the team's going really well because there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, pressure from underneath. It's fantastic. Um, you said before you dip your toe in the water with the you know the ABC stuff and and what have you. Do you see the media as something in the future, or is it just more of a, a side little hustle? Uh, no, at, at the moment, like it was it was probably a, a late call up. I I wanted to have a year off football and just really focus on um, you know family. I've got two young kids and uh, work starting. Uh, but then the opportunity came up to join the ABC team on a Sunday, and uh, I see the game pretty well. I, I think. I articulate it quite well, so it's something that I actually enjoyed. I've obviously never done it before, mm-hmm. so the first couple of games I was a, a little bit scratchy, uh, just knowing when to to butt in and make a comment. But uh, I've really enjoyed that part of it. I'm doing the Sunday footy show this uh, this oh, Sunday on, oh, on the panel. Oh. I think Tony Jones is over in in Wimbledon. Is it Wimbledon, yeah. So yep. I get get the call. I'm not not hosting, just mm. part of uh, just part of the panel. But um, yeah, doing that, and then obviously the Sunday mm. uh, ABC. I've I've done a couple of Thursday night games with them as well, and. Yep. Yeah, I'm actually really enjoying it. So whether or not that's something that um, happens for me down the path, um, which I get more involved with, we'll wait to wait to see. But at the moment, it's sort of hard when a lot of people that in that industry they live and breathe football, and they're mm-hmm. they're commentating on three, four games a week, and I'm I'm doing one. Yep. So sometimes hard to keep across all the other games, but that's still a good challenge in itself to yep. try and um, try and analyze other games, which I'm not watching the whole games, but. Pick, pick little parts, and uh, I've actually really enjoyed that that part of it. Yep. I heard um, – I was driving somewhere the other week, and I threw on SEN, I'm listening in, and I was like, this guy sounds so familiar. It was Bryce Gibbs. <laughs> yep. He was doing one of the Adelaide games. Yep. I'm going – you know that moment where you're like, I know this this voice is mm. – I know who this is. And they said something, Bryce went, oh, it's Bryce Gibbs, of course it was. He wasn't bad. My dad would have run yep. off the road if you heard that. He's Tony's a big Bryce Gibb fan. Yeah, so he's doing some work on, on SEN yeah. over there. So he, he had a shoulder up uh, about a month ago. So he, he um, obviously a bit of time out of the game. He working at South Adelaide and the development side of it mm. and, and playing as well. But, uh, yeah, being injured, I think there's opportunities for him to, to commentate on SEN over there. And he's loving that. He's doing a little Saturday morning gig that goes okay. for a couple of hours with SEN. So... Yeah, he's actually really enjoying it. So, um, although we don't really have to hear him over here, which is probably a good thing. <laughs> no, well, he's uh, he's my dad's favourite player. He used to go down to Lamana Direct. Oh yeah. yeah. So he, he and Cruz used to go down there, and Dad would with Vince would just you know pester him and kind of hang around. And, yeah, yeah. So my dad, being Italian, he, he doesn't really pronounce the S, so it's just Gib. <laughs> so it's um, yeah. and 
he'd always say, yeah, I like a gib. <laughs> so it, it's become a bit of a thing on the pod. That, Tag yeah. line. Dad, <laughs> yeah, dad, yeah. dad loves Bryce. Yeah, I always oh, love playing with, with yeah. Gibbsy. I thought Gibbsy was going to be one that was, was going to challenge um, Brattles for the most games at Carlton because yeah. he just never seemed to get injured. Uh, it was almost like he was in second gear all the time and just, yeah, it was really unfortunate the way his career mm, came yeah. to a finish and, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he regrets leaving, but that's that's um, <laughs> that's all a, in the past. But his was a weird one too, because it was almost like I remember seeing him interviewed, being unveiled as an Adelaide player, and it was almost this moment. It looked like it hit him. He went, "I actually didn't really want to go. Mm. I would have liked to have stayed. I understand this is how it's played out." But there was this moment as he was talking, and he just went, oh. "Yeah, he's not at his authentic best." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah well, it's, it's a tough one. Like it was a really. Really tough period, especially for a lot of the our senior guys, because yeah, we, we were expecting to you know on that upward trajectory, and then it sort of just fell off a cliff for us, and yeah. some really tough times. And he obviously had a, a burning desire to go back to Adelaide at some point with his with his young family. Yeah. So it was um, yeah, it was a tough one because he didn't want to leave. He loved loved Melbourne, loved loved Carlton, uh, loved all his teammates. But I think he saw an opportunity to go play. Yeah. In a premiership, and then unfortunately Adelaide unravelled as well, which is <laughs> fell off a cliff more so, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah like big time was extraordinary because yeah. everyone just thought he was going to go across there and, and basically play in a flag, which a lot of people probably thought at the time that Adelaide were, other than that grand final, they dominated that mm. entire entire year, uh, and then yeah, for whatever reason, Richmond just played a, a really um, unbelievable style on that grand final day, and Adelaide just yeah blew some opportunities and. Yeah, they, I think Gibbsy thought he was going there to just be the cherry on top, which he, he probably should have been, but they just yeah, they stuffed up you know, a few things, didn't they, obviously? One of his mm. first uh, experiences would have been the infamous camp. That would have been an eye-opening. We don't need to go into that. No. So you and I, Murph, we actually <laughs> have a... Arms crossed. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, it was quite funny because after the camp, I said oh, to no. Gibbsy, I said, How's, how was the camp? He goes, actually really good. <laughs> and then about two or three months later, he was like, yeah, I don't think it was that great. He was like, I've actually, <laughs> actually had time to reflect on it. And, yeah, uh, they're oh. thinking back to it quite weird but anyway <laughs> yeah. yeah so Murph you and I we actually have a deep deep connection I worked at the footy club for a little bit and membership and do you remember Sean at the footy club hopefully I do I left you a do? lasting yeah. impression yeah <laughs> but there's another reason so my uncle I remember back in your draft year likes his footy and he says to me at one point you know when we're when we've hit the skids we're not looking good we're looking absolutely locked on for that number one draft pick and he goes he's going who do you reckon who do you reckon the you know whatever and I said, oh, look, a lot of bit of a chat. You know, a few of the Thomas was mentioned, you were mentioned, a few other guys. And he goes, yeah, I reckon you'll get Murph. And I was like, oh, yeah, why is that? And he goes, well, I've been delivering him letters from the Carlton Football Club for months. <laughs> so really? my so uncle right. was your postie. <laughs> yeah. And he go. said he uh, used to chew the fat occasionally. Yeah. And he goes, yeah. He goes, no, he goes, I reckon you're pretty, pretty solid to get him because uh, they've been sending him stuff on official letterhead for quite some time. Oh, there you go. The posties are across their job, aren't they? Mate, Absolutely. Yeah. What, did Newman, See hey, everything. what did Newman tell Jerry? When you control the mail, you control <laughs> information. <laughs> Very good. And is so, that John or is that another? John, uncle? yeah. So John And John was an AFL footballer, so. Yeah. It's yeah. like Jordan must have lived around the quarter. He did. Yeah. Because yeah, so. he used to, he coached John and John would have a cup of coffee with him and yeah. every so often. Yeah, I remember Slug Jordan uh, walking around the streets of, of Donny back in the day. So he lived around the corner from me and I think he had like a pretty couple of bung hips yeah. and so he was yeah, it was, it was working pretty hard to get around the streets of Doncaster <laughs> but I never knew much about Slug Jordan and just knew of him and through my old man so um, John loved John loved him yeah John said he was brewing he goes very very funny man occasionally a very aggressive man yes. yeah he said yes. but just an absolute all-time character apparently 
when he coached, he didn't need a runner because you could hear him yeah. across the other side of the ground. So that was the uh, the stories <laughs> of Slug Jordan. Well, I, I used to work in the garden at the Donvale Rehabilitation Hospital oh, yeah. on Doncaster Road. Yeah. That was my first job as a... I delivered there, for real. What, 1119 Donny 11, Road? 19, yeah. Go, I delivered there. <laughs> anyway. Just the um, does this podcast just go to Doncaster and Doncaster. Temple State? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, talk, we'll talk about Tunstall yeah. Square later. Yeah, perfect. We will. But Slug was in there for one of his – he must have been recovering from one of the, the hip replacements or something. Yeah. And it was like – Did you just was, see him looking through the window? How did you see him? Mate, I saw everything. That's <laughs> really creepy. <laughs> um, we sort of have a bit of a chat about the footy, I suppose, and, and we mentioned before number one draft pick, you know, way back when now. And, and you were sort of not the first but one of the first when it was kind of getting a little bit more attention, who's the number one pick. And it was a bit more scientific as well. That Even five years before you, there was a couple where you kind of look back and you're like, oh, wow, like how did he go there and – what were they watching? Whatever. What What was that like? Was it an honour? Was it a privilege? Was there pressure with it? You know, we ask because we've seen recently someone like a Jason Horn Francis, a lot of talk there. You actually came into a not too dissimilar situation. Yeah, it was very, yeah, very similar. Yeah, like because yeah, at at the time, and and Jason's seen that at the moment when you you're playing for a side that's battling week to week, it it is quite difficult. And uh, but even so, more more so now the the scrutiny is even more than what it was back then. I remember my, my draft day. There was there was obviously cameras there, so we got we got uh, had the draft that uh, would have been Eddie had maybe back then, or maybe Colonial. Can't remember. But anyway, so down at Marvel Stadium, and that was probably my first opportunity to do real media in front of mm. cameras. As but these days they're probably they're adverse to that now. Like they probably get media training and everything, so it's a lot different. Uh, so I did my interviews and then. Uh, basically left and then met Kuda the next day at the top of the Rialto. So that was my initial um, <laughs> memories of the was first couple of days. Or? And uh, I think it was the club. So the, the media uh, manager, Steve Wilson, picked me up from home the next morning. I, uh, I had a couple of beers with a few mates that night. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I was dusty, but got picked up in the morning straight to the Rialto, met Kuda. <laughs> so I was pretty pumped to meet Kuda. Uh, and then on the Monday, I literally just drove in in my 1987 Honda Accord and walked in the door. And I wasn't, I wasn't a Carlton fan growing up. I, I obviously knew Fev and I knew uh, Nick Stevens and Lance Whitnell, Kuda. Uh, but there was a lot of other guys I'd, I'd never really – I never really watched before and didn't really know a lot of their names. So I was walking in, going, like, "Okay, Murphy, okay, mate." Uh, <laughs> like not, to, not to be rude or anything, but like, champ. I, everyone's a champ. There was, a, lot, there was like quite a a, um, a group of there was a lot of young guys there, yeah. and and obviously mixed in with some of the senior guys. So it uh, it was a lot different. Whereas now they've got all inductions and yeah. uh, they make a huge big deal of it, which they should because it's a big big thing. But yeah, I just turned up to myself and walked in the front door and just sat there and then just just trained. Uh, and was thrown in the deep end straight away. There was no easing into training. There was no do a couple of drills and then get off. It was just straight into it. So, um, What do you reckon, I suppose, you've seen, you know, it was interesting because your career starts and you have Bryce and, and Matty Cruiser after you, and then at the back end you get like a Jacob Wiedering and a Sam Walsh. Hmm. How much of the experience is the same and how much of it is different for someone, say, like a Walsh, obviously only 2018 was his year? Yeah, look, it's it's still the same. Like the the pressure of the number one pick never leaves you, so you're on a hiding to nothing really. If you if you play well, well, you're expected to play well. If you don't, then you get hammered. Yeah. So it uh, it's a tough spot to be in, and um, you're always you're always going to have that number one tag. Even if you pick two, no one really talks about being tick, pick two. So yeah, all of a sudden you've got this uh, you've got this tag that never leaves you, yeah. and it's always talked about whenever your name's mentioned. It's always the former number one pick, uh, so you're always reminded of it. But 
I sort of looked at it like it was a, a privilege and an honour. Um, I chose to knock back father and son, thinking that I was a chance to go to either Carlton or Collingwood or Essendon because they all were the top six picks. And then once it became sort of pretty evident towards the back end of the year that Carlton were going to have number one pick, I remember Dennis Pagan, Wayne Hughes and Stephen Kernahan coming to my sticks. house. <laughs> so it was pretty, pretty what a, pumped what a to man. see big sticks walk through the door. What and I was a big North Melbourne fan growing up, so Dennis Pagan walked in the door. So... It was, um, yeah, it was a huge thrill at that point to, to be told that I was that I was their pick. So how far out was that? That would have been, it probably would have been, it would have been maybe two games to go, I reckon. Wow. So that was, I think Carlton and Collingwood were, uh, were going to easily have the, the pick one and two. It was yeah. just about we who, played a Saturday night win. game against Collingwood to kind of sew up who was last. So that was, that's what I remember, my brother's 30th, I reckon it was. Wow. In was it the day when Satanta was playing on Anthony Rucker and no idea he was doing Saturday, a, he was Saturday doing night a, August I thought 13th. it was a Saturday day. I, no, I remember, it was a night game. I remember a game, and Satanta was playing defence and doing a really really good job on Anthony Rocker, and whoever was in charge took him off the ground for about five minutes. Rocker kicked like That's two or saying, three. We got smashed that game. So well, it's a different game. It may, yeah. maybe that was approaching Bryce's draft or yeah, Matt, Matty's draft or something like that. So so you were well, a north a north fan. Yeah, I was north, and then when Hell. they, uh, well, I was I was originally Fitzroy growing up as a young kid. Then when yeah. they were going terrible in '95 or '94, I can't remember which. Not probably both years, but I, um, <laughs> I was going to say I think tick, a few. Tick both of them there was off. a few Fitzroy blokes went to North. Mm. Yeah, and then my dad played a couple of games for North. I was thinking, oh, well, I like Glen Archer for whatever reason. I just loved Glen Archer. I wore yep. number eleven on back playing playing juniors initially. So uh, yeah, just went for for North. It was a good time of to go for them because they were always always Man, up. Not yep. so much, <laughs> but not so much anymore. But uh, that was a reason why I went for North. And then by two thousand two thousand one, uh, I started following Brisbane a bit. Yep. And then yeah, got to. Um, Got to go into the rooms quite a bit because of obviously the old man, the yep. connection with that. So every time they were in Melbourne, I'd be invited in, and they they just were littered with superstars everywhere. Yep. So I was just pumped, and and then I turned. Prior to that, I loved um, Juddy and Vossi, Vossi before Juddy, obviously, and mm. wore the number three because of those blokes. So um, oh, that's how it. that all all started. But yeah, had had sticks walk through the door, and and uh, Wayne Hughes told me that I was going to be their first pick. So it was um, yeah, pretty exciting. And but prior to that, I had to tell. Brisbane that I wasn't going there so I had to call Kinnear Beetson who was a recruiting manager at the time and then I called Lee Matthews after that and then I think I called Craig Lambert who had um, mm-hmm. given me a lot of time over that probably two year lead into the draft so I had to do the right thing and, and call those those three and explain uh, that I wasn't coming up. So there How was, was a, that phone call for like a 17, 18 year old kid? Yeah, very difficult. I Pretty still remember daunting. going yeah. down to the, the rumpus room, there's a little office off to the side and so obviously the landline at the yep, time, yeah. real mobile phones, and I thought oh, they probably might have been, but I certainly didn't have one. Yep. So I had to uh, go in the office and call Kinnear Beetson first of all. So I spoke to him for probably 10 minutes and then waited another five. So he would have called Lee probably by that stage. So <laughs> oh, Lee would have, no. would have known. So then yeah. I called Lee Matthews and he sort of already knew and just wished me all the best. And That's all right. it, was, um, it was pretty easy in the end, but it's still a hard, hard couple oh, yeah. of calls yeah. to, to make because, yeah, they were, they were terrific. They were a great football club at the time. So it was uh, it was a bit of a bit of a gamble when they'd come off three flags and uh, they had all these superstars everywhere, but they were probably on the obviously on the back end of it. So Correct. it was uh, I was really focused on trying to build Carlton up, and I thought I, I could be a reason to do that, be a big part of it. So that was that was a challenge in my mind. Mm. Um, 
what would you say was the, would be the biggest change in the game between like your first and last seasons? Oh, when I, when I first started, like you know, interchanges were you know pretty rare. Like you, you might get um, maybe thirty or forty a game. I played just half forward flank. I'd come off once a quarter, and then probably the mid part of my career was there was rotations of one hundred and fifty. So it's it's dropped back, yep. but. Uh, I, I enjoyed. I thought it was more open initially when I was when I was younger. Yep. Um, it wasn't so much on you know, team defences and everything, so it was probably a bit more stretched the ground, which was just probably pretty good. So it's certainly been. I'm not sure whether or not it was Dennis didn't really have a, a really complex game plan. I know he didn't, so it was it was probably more the fact of yeah, it was uh, a lot less structure and a lot less um, stats certainly involved in the in the game. There's mm-hmm. stats for everything these days. Uh, and I think I know so, most guys hate behind the goals footage. It exposes a lot of guys That's behind the goals good. footage, but you can't you can't hide anywhere anymore. Mm. So there's there's behind the goals footage at, at training, uh, and there's stats. There's I reckon at the start of my career, I reckon maybe six blokes wore a GPS. Yep. So like <laughs> the, it's pretty funny, is it? Looking back now, even under 18s uh, football, they all wear GPS. So um, yeah, stats is obviously a huge part of the game now, and I think s- certainly. Some coaches can probably uh, – you need to use stats to support what's happening in the game mm. from what you're seeing with your eyes and, mm. and what you're feeling. I think sometimes you can – or certain coaches or certain teams probably look too hard at, at stats yep. and try and then coach off the back of that, which yep. I think that's probably the reverse. You know, it's a really good example. We'll get into the game later, but a really good example of that is if you look at the raw mm. numbers between Sean Darcy and TDK on the weekend, you go, well, Darcy wins. He wins. But you sort of go, nah, TDK's played really well. Fuck oh, yeah. But if you look at the raw number, you're going, oh, no, well, he's mm. definitely at his colours lower th- there. Mm. Yeah, well, that, that's that's exactly case in point. Yeah. Like the, yeah. the feel and, and probably what you see in terms of some of the hit-outs to advantage that TDK had, like they were probably yeah. more influential. So you look at that as opposed to winning a hit-out that doesn't really do a, a lot. Um, so like there's more to it than just stats, and mm. I think it's important to use stats to support what you're seeing and, mm. and what you're feeling. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, Best and worst thing about being an AFL footballer? What's obviously like? I grew up. Didn't matter what sport. I wanted to do it at the highest level, whether it was you know Olympics, footy, whatever. You've lived the dream, but obviously there's going to be drawbacks to it. So, from your 16 year career, what was the best and the worst about having that career? Uh, yeah, the the best is there's a lot of things that go into the best part of it, like you. Uh, you get to everyone says oh you get to play with forty of your best mates well they're not your best mates there's a few that are your best mates but you get to play or train every day with a group of guys who are all committed that you are that you all come from a not a similar background but you're, you're driven to um, want to do well to work hard you love playing football it's uh, you train hard but you also have a lot of downtime where you get to you know talk rubbish basically and. Uh, so you go from working really hard where you're challenging each other to be better and you're all working towards a common goal. When you when you win after working really hard, that's probably that's the, the thing that I enjoyed the most, playing football. Like the, There's nothing better than playing at the MCG in, in, in front of a packed crowd where the build-up's been huge yep. and someone does something that the crowd gasp or you do something that is pretty special and you feel like that you've really... Destiny in the wet or something like that. Oh, there's a few of them. But, um, <laughs> the, uh, like, or you, you do something or a teammate does something that win, wins your game and then you all come in and you, you sing the song, which I was talking to 
I think I can't remember who I was talking about it, but it's quite funny that it's the only sport in the world where you see all these blokes come into the rooms after a game and stand around and hug each other and sing a and song. And sing a song. You would have seen um, this. So this is so I had this so Box Hill, we've got a Hawthorne listed guy, Fionn O'Hara. He's just come over Irish. I think he's got a rugby background, not even a Gaelic background. We had a win, beat someone, comes into the rooms at Box Hill, they sing the song, it's just a Hawthorne song. But he was like we we spoke to him afterwards, he goes, Yeah, Really weird. No one told me this mm. was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. He goes, I was like, what is going on? Yeah. You had had it with Tui and those guys yeah. being like, what is this? Well, well, it's pretty weird. It's pretty weird. But like, that's easily the best part of yeah. playing football is yeah. once you sing the song and then you go into the room, you sit down, you talk usually with a couple of guys you're pretty close with or talk to a few young guys about the experience and then you're all sitting around having a laugh. Uh, that's the best part of, of yeah. playing football because you've worked as hard as you possibly can. You've given everything you can. Uh, and you've all done it together and, mm. and then be able to enjoy that moment's probably the best part of playing football. And then conversely, you know, the opposite side of it when you're not winning and you're, you're doing probably more than what the good sides are doing. Like you're, you're all working, probably going over and above, trying to trying to rectify what's happening out on the field, uh, especially when you're, you're a leader or a part of the leadership group of that club, which is battling. You're, you're putting in so many hours trying to bring the group up and, and to win. And then when you're going through periods where you, you just can't get that nourishment of the reward for effort, yeah, yeah. that's when it's a really hard part. And so that's you reckon that's the worst thing, the ability to be able to make incremental change is so slow in modern footy? Well, it, it, it's been proven with us that it has yeah. because we, we certainly really bottomed out and went through a full rebuild where we had a lot of young guys. There was a middle tier of probably uh, guys from 23 to 28 that we just missed on nearly every draft. Yep. Not to say those guys who we drafted weren't good enough because there's development that goes into that and there's coaching and recruiting, obviously. But we we had a sort of middle brand of where you're playing your best football where we we didn't have anyone in that age bracket. We had guys above that who were in their 30s and you're not going to get that huge improvement out of. Yep. And then we had young guys who were, who were still learning their craft and, and trying to get better. And then you mix in a few injuries and um, it was all a, a really tough period where it was – trying to see the light at the end of the tunnel, but you just, you need to make sure that you're having little short-term uh, little goals that you can try and tick yeah. off along the way rather than looking to go, once we get to finals, then we'll start enjoying our football. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it was a pretty hard period where it was, tr it was tough to try and get buy-in from the whole group because there was guys at different stages of their career that were either on the outer, not playing AFL, or they were in initial stages of playing AFL and they were just loving being yeah. an AFL footballer. Yep. But loving being that for football is not going to make you go above and beyond. Yep. So it's trying to make young guys have a, a higher purpose. Want for more, yeah. Mm. Um, and then making sure guys who are in the later later part of their careers really understand you need to be selfish and really try and invest in young guys to bring them up to take your spot to then make us better. Yeah. So it's yep. a tough one. And that that's probably been the interesting thing in this forum is we've we've been doing this long enough that you know we were. We were an average footy side, but you could see the plan. And, like, we're all devotees of Steve Silvani. And we've seen what he's done with the list. And, you know, the fact that he's no longer involved, I, I still think sucks a little bit because he's done so much hard work. He's had a vision. He's he's just got that demand for success and greatness that he's gone. Yeah, you know, that the classic comment that he had with Caro when Caro said, oh, has the... Um, has the rebuild worked? He said, if you wanted a rebuild just to make finals, I could have done it like that, mm. he said. But we, we've rebuilt to win premiership and have sustained su success. And we're, we're so bought into that vision. And, and seeing 
the list now and the talent and like you can just tell there's so much to work with and it's so exciting. But as you say, like I, I thought we had the talent two and three years ago, but just to capture it and 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 start getting that success, it's just there's there's something that I don't know if it's a coaching thing, I don't know if it's a culture thing, I don't know if it's a combination, but it's um, I, it, we seem like we finally nailed it. And and whether that was on the back of um, the review last year that sort of you know put a few dots on I's, crosses on T's, but it just we look like we're finally humming, don't we? Yeah, and and I think Soss is is true in what he said. He he could have gone out and got other players from other football clubs who are in that bracket where they could have really helped us in the short term, but we probably weren't going to see. Well, hopefully the growth and what we're going to see over the you know, back end of this year and then the, in the years to come because he just really invested in having our real key pillars being young players. Who we had a really fortunate time where uh, we had high picks and there were some really keys that were going to be part of that in terms of like Harry Mackay, Charlie Curnow, yep. Jacob Wiedering. So and Tom DeConning is another one that is starting to he's starting to see some some glimpses a bit more than some glimpses now, which is great. But those guys like. Weeders had a, a really good start to his career. Like he, even though he had a challenging part because he was in a, in a tough side and had to go play forward for us yep. at various points. But those guys, when I was there, when I saw them when they were when they first came into the football club, I was like, these guys are going to be four or five time All Australians by the time they're finished, and yep. hopefully two or three time Premiership mm-hmm. players. You just tell that they just had that that belief and they just had that talent that they were going to they were going to be real real guns. And unfortunately. Through Charlie, through injury, we haven't seen that, and and Harry, Harry's taken. He took a little, a little bit of time, but he's starting to see how good he is, and and Weeders is pretty stiff enough to already be a two-time All Australian. No, I would have no. thought. We're, we're, don't don't we're go there. Back to you, mate. Don't, don't even worry. <laughs> so about that. I think they've certainly done it the right way, and Soss is great in terms of bringing us senior guys along with him because I was I've got an interest in list management, so I probably knocked the door down a little bit more, and I was captain at the time. I wanted to know what the vision was because. I think that's a really important part of when you're when you're going through a rebuild that you bring in your senior guys with you and you you explain to them what we're actually trying to do here rather than just. So that did that did happen because yeah. we, we actually got a question about that here is the idea of like when the club basically goes we're going to almost burn the joint down and you're a senior player do they actually kind of as a courtesy kind of go this is what we're doing. Yeah, well, I, I certainly sat in there with in the room with two or three other senior players and talked about where. We were going and, and their direction they sh- they saw us going so that there was certain um, not like a well, there's one path and we can go down this path it's like well the, you know there's, there's you can get senior guys in now to help us in the mm. short term and we can be pretty good yep. or we can you know we, we've bottomed out let's really invest in our youth and you might not see the best of that for another two or three years but you guys are going to try and bring them along yeah. um, because it is tough when you're a senior player and you're not you're putting in a lot of time and a lot of effort into these young guys and you don't get the immediate jump like you get with a Sam Walsh. Yeah, sure. Um, well, he's a unicorn. He ruins he? it for everyone. Like, yeah, because <laughs> everyone just expects that to be the yeah. given. Um, but uh, that's not the case with a lot of blokes. So you've got to you've got to put a lot of time and effort into them. And when you're a senior player, when you're doing that and then you're not getting the results on, on field, you can sort of – some guys go, what's the point? I'm out. Yep. Mm. Um, or you can go, well, now, you know, Speaking to Sauce and speaking to the coach, this is this is the direction we need to keep on working hard, and eventually it's going to turn for us. And I think we've certainly, yeah, dotted the I's and crossed the T's, as as you've said. And I think the uh, the leadership structure seems really sound at the moment within the football club, and um, the players I know are in a really good spot. Hmm. Um, 
your first few years at the club were, were pretty challenging, but then 2007 rolls around and we get arguably the best player in the league come in. What was Juddy's impact on the uh, club like? It was huge because he, he came with a presence and he also came, well, from my point of view, he came to the club because he wanted to be part of us. He thought that we were on the way up and he wanted to be part of it. So there was automatic... Um, almost a bit of confidence from the best player in the game that he believed in us young guys. Mm-hmm. So we just did everything he, he told us to do. Yep. Uh, Including and shaving your heads. You all turned up with We all shaved heads. our lids and even Fev shaved his lid because <laughs> of it too. But, um, but he, he automatically came in and just showed us why he was the best player in the game. Like obviously he had, he had a lot of talent, but he worked hard. hard. Yeah. Uh, and he, he found avenues outside of just the usual program um, to get himself better. So not just doing training, doing your weights, he was finding other things outside to try and make his body better, yep. to make him mentally better. So all of a sudden you're seeing that from the best player in the game and you're like, well, that's what he does to be the best. That's that's what we've got to do. Yep. So uh, that was probably the main thing was his professionalism and I suppose the confidence that he uh, he backed in Carlton to be what he thought was going to yep. be a chance to play another, he could see the, another flag. Yeah, yeah, the opportunity. I find it interesting. It's almost a parallel with not, not sort of um, complete 2020, but this idea of like, Judd comes and the next year we were better and then better again the next year, the next year after that. And then we're kind of seeing that this year, what's the first thing a player notices when you're kind of like, oh, we're actually, geez, we're better than last year. Is there a yeah. telltale kind of like, oh, wow. Well, I don't know, just, just from watching the game as to what we were doing last year, I just I feel like the the boys are playing more on instinct. Uh, so I, I and, and you only do that by being backed in. So that's what that's my initial thought about how they're playing at the moment. And then at the same time, it's not like the boys have just been terrible and then all of a sudden gone bang, we're, mm. we're good. Like the, the boys have been working hard for a long time. So there's some guys there, like, like Kripa has, uh, hasn't played in the final yet. And people at the start of the, at the, start of the season would have gone, oh, you know, he's, you know, he's obviously work, he's probably working harder than, than ever. He's, he's set himself up. But he's been a hard worker ever since he got into the football club and worked out that he... He, um, I sort of joke with him that he was a sort of a tubby, fat kid that had chicken legs. Hey, hey, um, what about this bloke over here? Do you want to tell us what you said? I wrote him off after his third game. I said, no, I was, I still remember, I was in the Olympic stand and Melbourne, it would have been his third game, it was against Melbourne. There was a couple of efforts that he just, he just blew himself up and I went, nah, this gets a bust. Yeah. <laughs> so he's, he's done. He's, yeah, so anyway, you're a fair way off it. Brutal. But, so, <laughs> um, so it's, it's not I've got like, an eye for talent here. Yeah. <laughs> So it's not, it's not like the boys are just going, oh, no, I'm just going to work hard this preseason. It's been four or five years, six years, seven years for some guys to really get them to where they need to now. And now they're, they're getting that sort of nourishment of winning and understanding, well, we were working really hard two or three years ago. Mm. But we weren't getting that reward, but now, now we are. You know, it's a, a performance that sticks in a lot of minds, mine particularly, we've spoken about it at times. Uh, you probably would have played in this game. We played Hawthorne at Optus in the hub sort of thing. And the first quarter and a bit was just electrifying. Mm. It was, I think we were six goals up. We were absolutely, I think we lost by about six goals. Fish got off the chain. But we just looked and you just went, oh, wow. It was almost like the light coming on. You just went, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. And even at times, the Robbie Gray kick after the siren game was a great performance. Yep. There were a few signs in that year now, two and a half years ago, we went, oh, this team's actually not bad. They just can't yep. hold it together for long enough. Yeah, and that, and that was the real frustrating part, no doubt, for for supporters as well, but for players, like we'd mm. play electric football and just be unbeatable, and then within the space of twenty minutes, just get opened up. He's yeah. going, what so, is happening? And, 
Um, so the the boys, it's not like we're going, oh, that's just an anomaly. Like we'll just yeah. we'll, we'll be better next week. Like we're putting a lot of t- time and effort into working out some strategies to get through that. Um, and yeah, through those challenging periods, you you learn a lot about yourself and about where you go to when opposition sides are coming at you. So that was it was that was the main thing for guys to understand is oh, where's my headspace go when they've they've kicked two or three in a row? Do yeah. I just go insular? Do I stop working? What are the things that go through my head? So there's a lot of that analysing going on, uh, and Cripp is huge in the headspace sort of part of football, and he was just ramming that guy, down guys' throats, like a lot of the leaders were. Like, oh, where do you go to when um, your, t- your your opponent kicks a goal on you that you've you've had a poor effort, or um, you've had a turnover, you've kicked, you've kicked the ball somewhere where you should, but you've you've stuffed it up and they've kicked a goal. Yeah. So. Um, those were the sort of things that were happening. It wasn't mm. just one thing that we're going, oh, that's what we're not good at. It was just a combination of things. And then guys dropping the, the bottom lip a little bit. And you don't, you don't need to have too many guys who aren't up to the level to be opened up. Yep. Yep. So uh, we had great talent and great scoring ability, but it was just, I reckon, the headspace of where guys were going when times were tough. You're up, Timbo. Oh, is it me? You're Come up. on, Timbo. Far Come on, out. we got the run sheet, oh, Timbo. Well, no, I was. I he was, was just engrossed in the was. conversation. No, I was. Who was just the answer? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> seamless. 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 <laughs> um, when we got to that stage after Juddy had come and we were playing finals, um, that 09 to 2011 was probably your best foot. Do you see that as being your best footy? Yeah, it was easily my best football, I think. Yep. I think it was... Uh, 08, 09, 10, like I was still good, but 11 was easily my best year. Yep. Uh, like my body was just in, like I was, was every training session, wouldn't miss. Um, just had enormous confidence in, in my body. It was feeling feeling great. I uh, was being really supported by, I had a great uh, relationship with, with the Rats. Loved working uh, with Juddy and, and Gibbsy and Andy Carrazzo. Uh, we had a pretty like, strong nucleus in there. Cruz was playing um, really well as well, so we, you know, we had a lot of um, we had a lot of uh, good stuff going for us. We just were probably a little bit inconsistent at times, but we were sort of working our way up there. We um, had a few finals interstate that, yeah, if they were in Melbourne, we probably would have won. Well, the, the Eagles um, won. The one that the thing that people kind of and I actually thought about this earlier today for some reason. So thought the thing that people don't remember about that Eagles game is Gibbs doesn't play because he done his AC joint. Cruz doesn't play. And Brett Thornton was playing at centre half forward and actually doing a not a bad job. He gets knocked out Busted his neck before half time. Yeah. Marcus Davies copped yeah. a shocking double goal, mm. which just doesn't make any sense. And then obviously Andrew Walker was held in the goal square. But yeah. you and Sean got... Hampson had hurt his knee on the treadmill too, hadn't he? Yeah, something like that. Apparently, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that was people kind of go. It was a great game in isolation. Like it was an unbelievable mm. contest. If you were a neutral, you just go. This is a great final. Yeah. But you sort of go, geez. Even if one of those guys plays, yeah, we, we we didn't have luck when we needed it right at the pointy end of the season, and you need that. Like very few sides have those types of injuries to, especially Cruz and mm. gives you, you know top five players. Absolutely. Um, so, and to go over to to the West and almost beat them, like we were, were that far, were that close, and then the following week we were going to play Geelong, who yeah. at the G, who we, we, were just, we were just too quick for them yeah. over that period. Yeah. The uh, the three amigos plus um, Jared Wade up in the forward line. That, that those guys were just too electric for. And stick Jordan Russell on Stevie J. He wouldn't touch it for, every um, single time. Like, 
for, yeah. so yeah, and Geordie Russell was playing great footy over those couple of years. Um, but yeah, we had we probably had too much toe for for them in the midfield mm. as well. Like we we sort of mashed up really well against the Cats, mm. but and even but better, at, even better at the G. We would have played Collingwood in the grand final. Yeah, but Collingwood were probably were probably too good for us at that yeah. point. But then you, you never know what happens in a grand final, do you? With you know, I always we've say said it three I games later. Three we games, by 10 goals. Three games yeah. later, we smack them by, yeah. We. I love we. We, us. We, while you're sitting here. <laughs> you would have seen me yeah. out there on a the flank. Yeah, so. <laughs> should have used him. Yeah. So I think <laughs> no, that, was, yeah, that, was, that was a real tough period because we've we'd played in a few final series and just been so close. And yeah. It, uh, and then 2012, we started off like a house on fire uh, and then had injuries. So that was, um, yeah, that was just a real, real tough that year. That is a beautiful segue yes. to Fab's question. Well, that's what I was going to say. 2012 was... It was an awesome start, and then it just kind of fell off a cliff. So, you know, what was it like being behind, you know, being in and amongst it? Was it just like we're losing our best opportunity here? Because first three weeks, well, they touted us premiership favourites. Yeah. And it was like... Yeah, like, so 2012, we just we came out just absolutely flying. We, we touched up, I think, Collingwood round three, yeah, I so think it was, by 10 goals. Uh and then we had yeah played played Eston the following week and had Jeremy Layla and Andy Carazzo yeah. get injured, and to outside people they probably think oh well, you know, that doesn't matter like you've got a couple of blokes but they were mm. they were really good good leaders of our footy club, and they were um, yeah, real stabilising figures. Yep. And then yeah we had I think I got injured in maybe round seven or eight I can't remember which one it was. Was that um, the Adelaide one? Yeah, the Adelaide yeah. game. So I broke my shoulder against uh, against Adelaide. And then I tried to come back later in the year, but mm. I came back too early, just trying to give us a little bit of a chance of playing finals. We almost got there, but but the Juddy sh- missed that year too, didn't he? Didn't yeah, that the was chicken, chicken wing. wing. Yeah, the chicken wing. Yeah, yeah. Was that the chicken wing? Was it? Yeah. And then bit, Wadey, bit of poultry. Wadey did a hamstring or a we back never, or yeah. something. Yeah, we, we never had, really had our full complement all playing together. Like Hindo, I think actually Walks missed half the year. Like yeah, so we had a lot of yeah, had a lot of interruption, which mm. is you've got to try and probably the main thing we didn't have that that period was a lot of great depth. We had. A really great, probably ten to twelve players, and then solid enough, probably down to about seventeen or eighteen. But they're probably bottom four or five. Probably weren't probably up to it. I don't think. Yeah. Not up to it, but they we we need to be a little bit deeper in, in how, well, how good, far uh, we went. But I get what you're saying because like on the weekends, a really great example. You can name like names, but Matty Cottrell has a great day. Jordan Boyd's contributing. Um, you know these sort of lesser lights. We will t- talk about them a bit later. Actually, giving us plenty. Yeah, and That's, it's not just. Walsh, Cripps, Charlie, you know, Weeders when he's out there. Mm. You're actually getting real good value from, mm. quote, bottom five or six. Yeah, well, you know that. Well, your, your star players will play to a certain level every week and every like every now and again they'll dominate a game. Mm. Um, but then you need your bottom even six or seven just to be really consistently just there and just get their job done. And every now and again they might pop up like a Cottrell did on the weekend. Mm. Yeah. Um, but that's where your growth really comes from is those guys who – are taking their game to another level, and you get more of a of a bounce from those guys rather than your your stars because they're always sort of there, and they might drop a little bit lower. But the guys who are down down here can have those games and really project the football club going forward. So that was probably something that we didn't have, and we had a lot of injuries in 2012, and our depth which wasn't quite there, and we had a really tough middle of that year, and. Um, we organised a bit of a lock-in to try and rectify oh, no. things. Oh, no. Love it, love it. That uh, <laughs> uh, was pretty happy that not, that didn't get out. It wasn't like a full lock. It was like a four or five hour, a few beers, and uh, we said, right, we're all getting there, and we're all um, 
kind of come out the other side of this and work our, work our backsides off to turn it around. And we actually turned it around for a few weeks. We thought, well, this is the answer. Mm. But um, <laughs> then we just had too, too many keep yeah. on going down. And um, I still remember someone filling up my, my sling with a pot at one point. So Love that it. was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, a bit of a laugh. But I um, only had one sling at the time. So I had to go to bed with a smelly, uh, smelly <laughs> sling. But, um, yeah, we just we left our run too late. And there was all this talk about, oh, we needed to um, – yeah, change coaches and all that sort of stuff. And I think judging by seeing other other football clubs over the previous sort of four or five years, I think if we sort of looked at it as just the one-off goal that they probably underperformed, but over the previous four to five, we're really building. And then we had a year where we had injuries and um, it almost should have just been wiped and, no, let's just work hard towards next year. So you've seen off the new ball, we're going to then change the – these guys are giving you some softballs. They're just outside off stump. Yeah. We're going to – Let's give you some tougher ones now. You ready? <laughs> How much long we got on this thing? <laughs> <laughs> um, so you mentioned rats, and you've been a big sort of supporter of rats. We never asked the question, you know, you know backwards and coming forwards about it. Were, were the senior group consulted at all, or was that something spoken about to the senior core of players that, look, we're thinking about moving the coach? Were you ever brought into that discussion at all? Uh, I can't can't really remember, to be honest with you. I wasn't, I wasn't captain at the time, Um I don't think they ever came to us and said, oh, what do you guys think? I think that was sort of made made above us. Yeah. Would you have liked to have been? I would have liked to have been involved. Yeah. Yeah, I think more, not not involved in making the call, but I think I would have had conversations about what I thought. But, um, yeah, I think to to back in what the players are thinking, I think, is always important. So, yeah, I think uh, – I don't think we were involved probably enough. And then obviously Mick – comes in after that and and you've actually I've heard you speak about this before so we're not we're not after a quote or anything here but how challenging a time was that for you the club the first year under Mick was was decent enough we had the win against Richmond in the final which was great and I think we went 11-11 in the season itself but then after that it really fell off a cliff you're the captain after that how challenging was that for you sort of personally just navigating that relationship and that two or three years at the club yeah it was it was a tough period I, I had a lot of conversations with with Juddy and Rats sort of in the back end of 2011 about looking to be the next captain. I know Rats really wanted me to be that. So there was um, yeah conversations of, of doing that in 2012. We thought we'd just keep it the same and, and do and make that sort of handover the following year. So always knew I had great support from from Juddy and, and Rats. And then, uh, yeah, it was obviously uh, a point captain underneath Mix first year. We get to the finals, um, which we probably – didn't quite deserve it. I mean, we played finals. We played finals. <laughs> we played finals and had a, obviously one of the great finals. It was yeah. a great game to be involved in. Is it that the best fortnight of football for you in your career? Yeah. That, that Port, Adelaide. Port Adelaide backing up into the Richmond? Uh, I mean, personally? Yeah. Uh, look, yeah, I was, it was pretty um, – I know my first half against Port Adelaide, I was I was average and Mick really put it on me in the second half and I came out. And I reckon played, that's your best goal for the club, by the way. Besides that. the Fremantle – Obviously, the winner is that's a phenomenal moment. But the weighty handball. Well, you took it upon yourself. You just kept running, bouncing. I think you had you had someone on, but you thought, like, "Fuck it, I'm going for home." Yeah, and you drilled it. Yeah, it I, I, the, I still, the last. Yeah, I still remember it was it was a patch of play, and I was lined up against Travis Boak, and there was a it was a, a contest from someone, and he kept running forward, and I I read that we were going to win it, so yep. I just I just stopped and went back and and won the ball, and then got got involved in the chain and kicked it, but had a pretty good second half. Yeah, uh, and then. Yeah, when when we'll think we'll, I don't know what we're down. We're 
high thirties or maybe forty yeah, points yeah. down. I was so, texting you after every goal. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> I, I actually loved playing out at um, Football Park. I always played well out there. I don't know if it was just the big ground. I was enjoyed uh, finding space out there, but. Yeah, won that game, and that was just a huge thrill because we we knew that at halftime, if we win this, we're we're in. Yep. Uh, and we like like I got challenged at halftime. There's quite a few other senior guys got challenged, and we all we all responded and and got over the line. Yep. And and then to follow up and beat Richmond, which we're not almost in the same boat again, which Ooh. they um they were giving us a bit of a touch up, and yeah, we uh, we managed to find a way. And I still it was like. 60 would have been 65,000 Richmond supporters there I reckon and it was yep. it was loud yep. and then once we once we got going it just got even louder it was extraordinary and can you describe the feeling the moment everyone goes to in that game is Judd's goal and I don't know what that made the score if it put us in I think we went I a think couple 10 of points up 10, 10 points, points up can you describe the raw and not just that like you would have been on the field when Fev had a couple of big moments what's the raw like when you're in the middle of the MCG and then something like that happens oh like it makes the hair in the back of yeah. your neck stand up it does even now thinking about it mm. the, the one like that Juddy moment was was huge but the one where I knew that we'd obviously won was when Garlett oh. jumped hurdled and yeah. ran the ball in I just remember just like I, I reckon I'd gone the sprint just trying to chase myself and like doing these <laughs> ones so it was, it was um, those moments of what you you play football for and uh, yeah we'd come from you know two weeks prior looking like we were down and out being touched up at, at footy park to be able to turn that around then do it again so who knows how far we can go we we I think we'd played out of our skins for two weeks, so we're, we're basically cooked at that point. <laughs> but, and um, big thanks for me to the boys as well, because I was going to Europe, and um, like membership was when the season's over, you just wrap up. So mm. the win against Port got me an extra week of full time, and the win against Richmond got me an extra week. Yeah, and uh, that, that I'm, about, I'm happy we helped you out. <laughs> mate, that that paid for some that paid for a Man United hospitality uh, well, there you ticket. Go. Yeah. So thanks to the can put that on the WhatsApp. And just humorous <laughs> for a moment, there's a lot has been made about the Nick Dygan eating a Subway sandwich, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Brock McLean gets injured yeah. pre-game. How, how did that – like, what was the timeline of that? And, I mean, Dog's played one of the great games, four goals in a final. Mm. For a bloke who's not a forward, it's just remarkable. Yeah, like, it's it's crazy, isn't it? Uh, I, actually, I actually had no idea what was going on because yeah. I was obviously really zoned in on what I was doing, so – Usually before games, I was I was pretty um, insular. I'd always worry about my own preparation, probably until the the main warm up, and then I'd come out of myself and um, and be a lot louder. But I had I had no idea what was going on. Then I saw uh, Brock, uh, yeah, not not get up, and it was like, well, who's coming in? Like, oh, Dyer's going to come play forward. He's just eating a subway foot long or whatever. So um, he was uh, he was carved up and ready to go. But uh, yeah, he's. Um, I love playing with dogs, like, and yeah. and for him to, to come out and do that, um, yeah, it was it was pretty special. Uh, yeah, one of the, one of the good stories. I wish wish it was on Grand Final Day would have been even better, wouldn't, wouldn't it? it? Wouldn't mm. it? Um, we sort of spoke. Unfortunately for you, you've sort of lived the last days of a senior coach probably too many times for your liking. Is there something like take us inside the club? Is there something that's a bit of a trigger? Two weeks out, three weeks out, four weeks out, where you're like, I think uh, I know how this ends. Yeah, well, and, you, and despite your best efforts, you're kind of going, oh. Well, usually, usually there's a, a game that sort of puts the nail in the coffin, so to speak. And yeah, unfortunately, I've been been there a few times when yeah, you either played in or, or been watching as a player. I've played you know, probably a few of them, but the one that uh, I think Bolts, we played Essendon, and I was in the coach's box and it was just a really bad day yeah. of, of football. We just sort of just knew that was probably it, unfortunately. And then... 
yeah, a lot of talk after the game and then uh, a lot of, lot of conversation and cameras everywhere. You sort of just knew that it was, it was occurring. And it's, it's, a hard, it's a hard period because it's someone that has obviously huge influence over your football club. You're constantly talking to them. And then obviously the outpouring of emotion once they have to get in front of the group and say, oh, look, the, the club's not going with me going forward. It's a, it's a pretty hard day because you, you certainly do feel for someone that they're, just, they're losing their job. Uh, especially the, the Bolts one was tough because he'd put so much effort and time into the football club and did a lot of hard hard yards for us and always put the club forward, uh, first. But um, unfortunately, it, did, it didn't work out for him. And I think no doubt he's going to be a better better coach going forward and on the back of those experiences. But yeah, you, it's, uh, it's, never a, it's never a good place to be. And there's always a lot of... Um, there's always a lot of uh, angst amongst the playing group because you feel like you've you've let someone down. So that's probably the initial. And how does that differ from you know, say when you know Dennis, you're a young player, you're a second year player, and then come the end with like Teague's probably a bit different, but Bolts even where you're sort of like you're now a senior experience camp leader of the footy club. How how different is the experience at both ends of the spectrum? Yeah, well, I think Dennis. I think that was the from looking back, probably the, the writing was on the wall for a few weeks, and then we had a really really bad loss and I was in my my second year um, and Dennis was great for me he backed me in so um, that was disappointing but I sort of knew that was going to, going to occur uh, and Dennis had obviously done a lot in football so I sort of at that point in my career I, I didn't feel sorry for him but Dennis had obviously done a lot it was probably the end of his career anyway it achieved so much so you, you just wish him all the best and thank, thank him for that but guys who are sort of young in their coaching career you feel probably a little bit more for them because mm. It is a tough period to go through the speculation constantly as well as um, all the talk and it, it really affects people's families as well because they, they all ride the bumps with you. And I experienced that obviously being captain going through a really tough period. Your, your family, they hurt probably more than the individual. So that's something that you've got to really take into account as well. Mm. You got one for us, Fab? Do I? Yep. Oh, shivers. I am. I'm on the run sheet. You do um, all this work, Murph. You no, do all no. this prep and you're like, you serve it up to him. No, I've typed this out. Shut up. I, I, see, <laughs> I just bring the talent. I don't go off a run sheet normally, right? So I just so – this is this is throwing me. No, but how real a prospect was it or was it ever really a prospect that you would leave the club? Was there any offers or anything? Did you ever consider anything? Was anything put to you? Uh, yeah, there were certainly offers. There was yeah. offers from expansion clubs, but that was when – I was playing my best football, loved being at Carlton, yep. saw us um, being a real you know, top four contender. So there was offers, but I never even considered any sort of movement. Probably the main ones, probably 2015, I, I got offered to, to leave. I was yeah, pretty um, pretty flat at that point in time, put a lot of effort into the place and yep. felt that like I wasn't really being supported as well as probably what I should have been. And uh, I just thought maybe a fresh start might have been might have been good for me. Was that um, Hawthorne? No, it wasn't Hawthorne. That's no. the one that always gets brought up. It's this. Like, it's one of those things where you like. That one was later, though. I think it was Hawthorne was like your last couple of years. There was. I never. Was I talk. No, I, mean, I never had it. That's the they never had North. They know fucking Hawthorne. nothing. So yeah. no. that's the strangest thing. That's Hawthorne always gets. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. Everyone just sort of nods and goes, oh, okay. Hawthorne yeah. are interested. No, no, I never, never spoke to there to Hawthorne. Go. It was more more Richmond 2015. That was the one. Where um, yeah, it was pr- not close, but like I had a few conversations about it. Was that the year Yaz went? Yeah, so yeah. Yaz, Yaz made it difficult. So that was it was not that that was the end of the me walking walking out, but 
yeah, I'd, I'd put a lot of time into the place and um, obviously Mick left halfway through the year mm. and then we played some some good footy underneath uh, Barks. Yeah. So that sort of sparked my enjoyment for football again. We we had some really good performances with Barks and uh, I just felt like I was starting to be a real football club again. I was yeah. really enjoying myself and played some in front of some bigger crowds again and enjoyed playing well and uh, I'd sort of had been preaching to a lot of guys about sticking fat and doing the right thing by the club, being doing it all together, and that sort of those words that I'd spoken to my teammates about, I felt that if I was going to leave, I was I'm I'm a really loyal person, mm. so I was I was sort of letting myself down, letting my teammates down, uh, and I, I didn't want to do that. So it um, that was the main reason why I didn't leave, uh, and then I I thought well. I've probably got another maybe six or so years. I'm just going to really invest in our young guys and try and bring them up as quick as I possibly can. And who knows what happens in two mm. or three years, whether, whether we're back playing finals. I'd rather be playing finals for Carlton than anywhere else. It's, this, is, this question is more sort of my own kind of personal curiosity. I don't know if the other boys or the listeners, but the way last year played out, I think everyone probably thought it's probably Murph's last year come the start of the year, last year of a contract, probably Murph's last go around. And you had the 300, the milestone in sight. And my attitude from a long, long way out was if the milestone's important to you, you've earned it, you're a great servant of the footy club, fantastic contributor over so long, you've been through so many hard times. If you value it, no questions asked, we've got to get you there. doesn't matter. It felt like at times I was a bit frustrated that we kind of dragged our feet a bit. We made it more difficult than it needed to be. Were you at any time a bit kind of frustrated by how that played out internally? Yeah, because I, yeah. I, so I, you know, I just thought, as I said, I can't stress this enough. Yeah, if if you want it, you've earned it. Yeah, I, I actually like didn't think until probably later on. I was, oh, I'm all about getting to 300. Um, I thought that if my form had sort of warranted still playing, I was playing a half forward sort of role, um, which is notoriously the midfielder's graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was always going to be be challenging and when you are 33 and you're playing a side that's not winning most games, uh, you're always one for probably the chopping block. But I think the way in which, um, yeah, when I initially got dropped, I had no conversations in the lead up to that game. Like I hadn't been playing my role or or doing enough. So it was it sort of just came out of nowhere from, from my end. So I played against Hawthorne the week before and had, I think I had 19 and at four tackles, kicked a goal, playing a half forward flank, and um, yeah, take that this week. Decided mm. to, decide to go with someone else because I didn't get a four fifty tackle, and I just thought, well, I didn't get a four fifty tackle. I think, and maybe go, well, Murph, we need that from you this mm. week. Mm. Um, so that was, was last year. Was last year you played a really good game against Gold Coast up in Darwin? Was that that was, that was a hub hub year? Because that that was one where, and Fab's been big on this in the past, is that you talk about being pushed out to the midfielder's graveyard and you go, well, you actually kind of played a bit more on ball that night and had a good night. Yeah, I played on ball that night and then the next week we uh, shuffled around the side and I played half forward again. I, I couldn't understand some of the decision-making behind a few of the calls, but um, I, I obviously my, my shoulder, for, for those of you, of the listeners, mm. my shoulder's absolutely stuffed. So I, um, I couldn't uh, do a weight in the last three years in terms of pushing weight. My, I had a golden staff in my in my shoulder, so I've got no range in my shoulder. So I couldn't tackle to my left side at all. Um, and Teggy just said, oh, you can't tackle, you can't play in there. So that was basically it. Um, so I thought 
What about winning a clearance? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, yeah. No, no, it's, it's, more of, it's more of a joke sometimes. You guys go, well, it's hard to tackle when you get the ball. But, yeah, exactly um, right. I understand he was trying to have a more of a physical presence in there, so that that's fine, but... Um, there's still, there's still sometimes, don't you? There's still, yeah. there's still roles for within to go pinch it in there. Mm. Um, I still felt that, and I, I wasn't being backed in, which I've, I felt really uh, angry about. Did Brattles um, ever have a tackle in his whole career? <laughs> and yet he's played three hundred and seventy-five. Yeah, he's, he's a fucking legend. Yeah, like, but anyway, like that was I sort of I just copped it on the chin because yeah. I was like, well, I'm not not at my best. I understand I've got this uh, deficiency in my game, but I also feel like I've got weapons I can still bring to the game. Uh, and to the side, but um, yeah, there was a couple of conversations which I don't think were were um, were warranted, and I wasn't respected well enough in what I what I'd given to the place, and I was sort of pretty mm. pretty angry. Well, and, and I totally look. We've had some conversations, and and people who know more than us come to us and tell us stuff, and it, it did feel like, particularly in the back part of last year, that communication wasn't great. Yeah, and look, it was a, it was a tough period for everyone. Like Teggy was a young coach. Um, and there was a lot of speculation and when you're at Carlton that, that I've felt over the years, it's a, it's a huge club and with that comes a lot of responsibility. So he was um, under a lot of pressure. So I understand that. But at the same time, like, yeah, yeah I was pretty disappointed the way it all, all finished. But, um, and then my, I think I lost a bit of motivation because I was just yeah, pretty, pretty angry and my body was certainly packing it up. My shoulder packed it up probably two years prior to that and then started doing calves and it just uh, – it was certainly going to be my last year, but, um, yeah, it probably wasn't – it certainly wasn't the way in which I envisaged it uh, finishing. I just thought it got to the point where it got pretty hairy and I was like, you know, if this guy ends up on 298, I was like, that's an indictment on the footy club. Mm. It's just, was, like yeah. it's just not – we speak about it in, in years gone by. We had a guy uh, – I was going to say, of course, you know, Brad Fisher, but he, he was on 99 mm. and he just went, Get shit there. ass. Yeah. Yeah. Guy's done two knees. He's played in a shocking era of the footy club. I don't get him to a hundred. Yeah, I just, I just, I th- the thing that I thought, I, good clubs don't allow that to happen to, right. to servants yeah. of, of football clubs. That's exactly and what we said. It, yep. uh, it wouldn't happen at the real good clubs, and I hope we become an, a great club again. Mm. But I think that was that was a part of not the part of the reason why they cleared out. Like they had probably a small, if anything, probably no uh, relevance at all. But mm. It just the way in which communication was delivered to me, I thought was pretty pretty poor at the time. But I just think really good clubs who really res- uh, respect their players wouldn't uh, let it go down that path. Agree, hundred percent. Do we want to change gears? To yes, sort of lighter I've side? been waiting. I've been waiting for this. I've been seeing it on the run, I think it, This oh. is a really. This is just a personal moment that because Murph and I, of course, used to be co-workers at the yeah. Carlton Football Club. <laughs> <laughs> I think you were both employees. I yeah. don't think you were co-workers. No, we weren't. That's very true. That's an important distinction. Um, <laughs> I'm sure there's nothing the playing group love more than Shano coming down and telling them you've got to go make cold calls in membership next Wednesday. Um, yeah, look, not one of the highlights. No. <laughs> as much as I do love our members, uh, I think it's great to give some uh, response yes. to our members. 100%, yes. 100%. But I was, uh, I was in the membership pod one day when you made one of the highlights of my time at the footy club. You get the – I think you were sitting with Billy from memory. I had Ed Kerno. He was not bad. He was all right. But anyway, you pick up the phone, it rings – Ring, ring, whatever. We're just waiting for you. Yeah, okay. I think the cameras might have been on you. And uh, you go, yeah, hi, uh, Mateo. This is Mark Murphy from the Carp Football Club. You exchange pleasantries, having a bit of a chat. Conversation seems to be going pretty well. Your side of the call then goes a bit quiet for a minute or two. There's lots of, uh-huh, 
I see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm sorry to hear that, Mateo. Unfortunately, Mateo was going through some significant financial hardship. Yeah. Uh, probably the last person he wanted to tell was Mark Murphy of the Carlton <laughs> Football Club. He would not be renewing his membership. Because <laughs> he's got no cash. Because yeah. his small business was going under. Yeah. And then I thought that kind of typifies the dangerous game that this is. It's a dangerous game, all right. Yeah. <laughs> like the feedback on how, how you perform the weekend prior and why would I sign up when you're delivering that sort of rubbish out in the field. It's like, well, sometimes you just got to cop these things. <laughs> I know Ed Kerno had... Um, I don't know his name, Jared Keisha's old man was on the thing. And he goes, you better not call him. And I go, I, go, I didn't see the name. I said, why not? He goes, sort of beat his son out for his list spot. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably best if yeah. I don't make that call. Might leave yeah. that one to Murph. <laughs> um, I tried to find this. For, I could not find this clip. You might not have ended up saying this, to be honest. I thought I'd remembered you saying in a, in a press conference, one of your milestones might have been 250. Someone asked about, you're getting a bit, get a bit older, the younger boys are coming in you know, blah, blah, blah. And you, you remarked the hardest part is that um, no one gets your references anymore. Yeah. So you and I are the same vintage. And I had the question, when you say that, I was like, that means oh, just me guessing. It was like, does that make you a Jim Carrey man? Does that make you an Adam Sandler man? Does that make Bo- you? Both. And unfortunately, a lot of young guys have never seen Dumb and Dumber. So you make <laughs> a quote out of Dumb and Dumber and See, I thought you'd be straight through. I thought you'd be more Sandman for some reason. Adam Sandler. Yeah. Oh, like I'm. Uh, yeah, I love Happy Gilmore. Classic. That's his. Billy opus. Madison. Yeah. That Billy Madison is his masterpiece. Jim, I love Jim Carrey and Ace Ventura. Classic. And Dumb and Dumber. Um, I love Seinfeld. So it was good to hear an analogy from Seinfeld. Seinfeld's amazing. Getting a bit of love now. People finding it again. Yeah. Yep. Uh, my favourite's Curb Your Enthusiasm, though. And not many people have watched that. Curb. So. I like Curb, but it's very. Um, if you like George, you love Curb. Yeah. Clearly, because mm. it's Based George off dialed David. right yeah. up. Um, but I just thought that was funny because I was like, even in the stuff I do at Box Hill sometimes, like now people are, they're watching something and they're talking about something and yeah. I'm like, I don't know what that is. Yeah. So your, your Seinfeld reference, I reckon everyone on that list now would have no idea what you're talking what about. Yeah. What the yeah. hell is yeah. that? Well, they should have sessions. <laughs> Education. In, in, in the media room just going, all right, we're watching Seinfeld. An, yeah. an episode a day. <laughs> How long would it? It's 20 can, minutes out of the... Can only make you better. That's it, <laughs> what I reckon. <laughs> it's the one percenters, Vossie. Vossie yeah. listens. Um, we want to do some word association. Pretty yep. straightforward. Yes. Yep. Get it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just want to make sure. Anthony Kudafidis. Uh Dancing with the Stars. Uh, interesting. <laughs> Left field. I liked it. Uh, Sticks. Oh, it's legend. Funny. Sticks called the shop one day when I was working and he wanted a Guernsey and the shop only had one phone line. So I was on another call. So he got a message. I p- played the message. It was Sticks. Yeah. Nothing sums the man up more. He apologised for calling us. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, sticks, mate, come on. No one's kicked more goals for the footy club. Yeah. Legend. Uh, Sam Doherty. Uh, just warrior. Well, how impressed are you with what he's doing this year? Oh, yeah, to, be, to go through what he's gone through with knees and obviously cancer twice. Uh, and yeah, I just know how much he gives to that football club. And um, I was a little bit disappointed that he, he wasn't co-captain again but I understand the the reasoning behind that which is fair but um yeah to see him play the way in which he's played this year yeah he's he's right up there um in my books he's a yeah, class act if, if he can at the moment if he can get that all Australian that'll be one of the best stories oh, yeah. phenomenal. That, yeah. phenomenal phenomenal yeah. uh Juddy uh yeah <laughs> character everyone thinks he's a nerd really yeah but he's not. He's just, he's, there's a barrel of laughs, Juddy. 
<laughs> I'll tell you a story off pod. I heard it at a signing session. It's not for pod, that story, but it was funny. Yeah, because yeah. most, most blokes, like, he's just a different thinker. So yeah. a lot of players, when they, oh, if someone, oh, can you sign this for such and such, it's like, oh, best wishes or, you know, all the best. Juddy <laughs> writes, create your fate. <laughs> Chris Judd. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, a bit of a Terminator reference, isn't is it? Is it? Yeah. Sort of. So maybe I'm too young for Terminator. It's the line that Linda, old mate, tells Eddie Furlong, life is what it is, create your fate. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. We'll go back to that. Yeah, we will. Come back to that. (laughs) Yeah. Some homework for us. Uh, Brett Ratton? Uh, Yeah, encouraging. Like it. Cripper? Beast. Mick Malthouse? Um... Oh, he's, he's one of the all-time great coaches. Unfortunately, not at Carlton. Diplomatic, I like it. Yeah. Uh, Fev. Uh, yeah, took me under his wing at the start of Fev. Is that a good is thing? That, that's what I was going to say. But, yeah, which is, I, I loved it, like, obviously hanging out with Fev. Uh, you'd probably have four or five beers and he'd be looking after you and then from then I'd be looking after him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Weeders? Uh, nerd. Yeah, 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 but I like I get along really well with yeah. with Weta, so maybe I'm a nerd as well. <laughs> uh, Tiggy, uh, yeah. did you play with him? He was my first. Um, uh, he ran our first footy troop, Tiggy. So did I played with go? him for a year or two. Yeah, at least one. Yeah, two, I think maybe. Yeah, but he was, he's still involved at the footy, footy club at that point because he went and then coached yes. the Northern Blues. Yep. Um, and like yeah, like he was a really great assistant coach, I thought. Yep. I like it. Uh Walshy. Uh genuine superstar. Team you most like to beat. I like to beat Perry Essen the most. Yeah, good answer. Real good answer. Yeah. Uh flipping off the Collingwood cheer squad. <laughs> a bit stiff. What'd you get uh, for that? Oh, only nine hundred, so it was a good nine hundred. Good nine hundred. Yeah. Um you and I was happy d- enough. I still remember driving out of the game and uh, I was at the traffic lights and I think a few Richmond, oh, a few Collingwood supporters saw me and gave me the bird. Uh, and at that stage I'd seen already that I'd been photographed giving the bird and I just knew I was going to get fined. I thought I was in for two or three grand at that point. Oh, I'd, good. But yeah. I, I think I'd, I had 13 kick too, so I was happy enough to cop it. <laughs> <laughs> was that the one you did the really gut-busting run from centre-half forward? Ball yeah. came out, yeah. Yeah. Good goal. And then lastly... Uh, this could be picked up, yeah? This could break containment. Can the Blues win it all? They can. Of course they can. It, um, yeah, I was, I was really impressed with the weekend's game. I thought after uh, Essendon's performance uh, in terms of lo- losing weeders the week before, I thought if we could, over the next month, go 2-2, two and two, you would have taken that. Playing against Fremantle, St Kilda, Eagles, you'd, you'd obviously win that. And then Geelong, I thought... If we can get away with being two and two, you'd probably take that with the our defence being just riddled with injury. So it's amazing how quickly it changes in two weeks. Now you look at St Kilda and we can go, well, that's a that's a win because the way that which they're playing, the way in which we're playing, which yeah, it's nothing's a given. But uh, I just think we'll, we'll get some guys back later in the year. Weeders hopefully maybe this week or next week uh, that can really we can really challenge. Love it. Um, how much longer have we got you for, Murph? Did you want to talk about the game? Uh, I probably need to get going. It's been a good hour and a half. Oh, hasn't Mike, it? We've got one fifteen on the thing, but no, no, no I agree. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because okay. what we'll do is we'll split it. We'll do this, and then we'll do a we'll do our we'll separate do our review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that works for me because otherwise it's 
you don't want to be exposed to whatever that becomes. Yeah, I only watched like five minutes of it, to be honest with you. It's like fab. I was, <laughs> I was, uh, oh, you, oh, fuck off, idiot. <laughs> yeah. I've only seen highlights. I couldn't, couldn't give you a lot from the weekend. The mini-match. What's no, that? Not even the mini-match. No, oh. I've, 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 I was up in um, Sydney yeah, doing said, Vic yeah, Metro. Yeah. I was coaching the stoppages for Vic Metro. Really? Under really good. Yeah. So. How'd you get roped into do that? Was that just a- Jace Davenport? Who was at Carlton before COVID? So he's yep. doing development there. So he's he's gone and coached Oakley Chargers under 18s, and then he's got the Metro gig as well. So he's they 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 train at uh, at Icon. So I was like, yes. oh, I can help you out with three or four sessions and come to a couple of games. So love just doing it. That. Yeah. Love it. No, Murph. Uh, absolutely love having you on. Thank you so much for swinging by. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Um, you're a friend of the pod now, so it's going to be a friend of the pod. I don't know what that means longer term for this, but uh, you know. We'll Opportunities will open Oh, that's it. Exactly that's right. It. You're in the media now. And we'll it. see where the path takes you. No worries. Thanks for having me, boys. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you very much.